Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Welcome to Podcast One. We hope you'll support our sponsors who bring you these podcasts absolutely free and with limited interruptions. And of course, we appreciate you listening to this show, which will get started in just a second. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. It's time for another edition of the Eddie Trunk Podcast, which is new every Thursday via podcastone.com and iTunes. Thank you for downloading, streaming, listening, however you connect with it. Thank you for doing so. It is greatly appreciated as we settle in for another hour or so, bringing you an interview this week, which we'll get to in just a second. And uh, as usual, at the top here, I'd like to give you a little overview of some of the stuff that's gone on and some of the stuff coming up. Some thoughts on a few things, and then, of course, we'll change gears and get right to the interview, which this week is with an old friend, an old Jersey guy who these days is spending much of his time in Russia, and that is former Rainbow, former Deep Purple, former Ingve Malmsteen lead singer Joe Lynn Turner, who recently had a heart attack, and he talks about that, and, of course, music stuff and a few other things as well. So JLT, always an engaging conversation who called me from Russia, and that is coming up in just a bit here on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. I think you will enjoy it, as usual. Just back from yet another trip to Oklahoma, where I go so often. Spent some time, of course, in Tulsa. My thanks to the wonderful Hard Rock, as always, for hosting me. Hosted a show with Tom Kiefer at the IDL Ballroom. My thanks to my friend Doug Burgess for having me and having me host the shows there at the IDL. Great to see Tom. As I've said many times, Tom Kiefer is an artist who I think is tremendously underrated in a lot of ways as a songwriter, as a guitar player, as a singer, and a guy who has certainly worked on in the last four or five years or so reinventing himself. He is no longer doing his band Cinderella. He is doing that band's material, which, of course, he wrote all of it, so why wouldn't he? And he has uh, stayed very committed to his solo band, which is a fantastic band. And what I mean by committed is that we are in a day and age where 
We see so many artists multitasking in four or five bands at the same time. A record this month, guesting with that person, uh, jumping around to different projects. That is the world we're in now, and that is the norm. Except for Tom Kiefer, who is completely committed to his solo band and does nothing else but work that. And I think that's pretty admirable. And, you know, he could easily go and get more money and bigger guarantees if he were to go out and tour using Cinderella again. But he chooses to stay committed to the solo thing. I, we, I'm pretty confident when I tell you, you will not see Cinderella again. Tom is very happy with this band that he has. There were some tensions with Cinderella. He has moved on past it. He is very much still doing a tremendous amount of Cinderella material in his own show. But using that name is something, and, and that band is something he clearly does not want to do anymore. But the other thing that I think is really impressive about Tom is that in the one of my biggest peeves these days in music is rock bands using backing tracks, pre-recorded fake backing tracks. And I hate it. And I think it's ridiculous. And I think it sucks. It makes me crazy when I hear from fans who call my radio show and rave about how great an artist sounded when I know that half of what they were hearing, quote unquote, live was a pre-recorded track. This was the norm for a long time and is the norm in pop music. It started happening in rock music a number of years ago and is quickly becoming an accepted norm there. And it's ludicrous and ridiculous. I mean, what? I mean, anybody can sound great if they're lip syncing to a track or have a ton of vocals on tracks. Now, I'm not talking about if you have a song and one of one song has keyboards in it and you have that on a track. I understand that. I'm talking about the bands, and there are a lot of them, folks that have tons of backing vocals, guitar tracks, all sorts of supplemental stuff going on as a track. It takes the live, loose, real feel of rock music away, and it's cheating in my opinion, and I think it's ridiculous. And it's becoming all too common. So the bands that are actually putting the work in to deliver a real 100% live rock show, to me, should be commended for it. Tom Kiefer, who as a headliner is a club-level act, is touring in clubs with a band that consists of seven people, two backing singers, a keyboard player backing singer, another guitar player singer, a bass player. I mean, and of course a drummer. Seven people. For a band at a club level, meaning they're not making a ton of money. You know, that's not they've got, they don't have a big staff. That's overhead, and he's doing that because he wants to recreate and present the music the way he wants it. He wants it to sound right, and he wants to do it all live. He, even to the point, the one of the things he suggest he uh, demands for shows is a certain mixing console because he cares about how it sounds. You know how easy it would be to take all the backing vocal tracks and just put them on a track, which so many people do, and run the track. 
He wants to do it live. There's something to be said for that. It's becoming a dying art, and that's tragically sad to me. I mean, there are some people that do it way to the extreme. There are some people that, you know, have little little bits and pieces on tracks. But there are, there are people that are just going crazy with this, folks. And the people that are doing it all and doing it live deserve to be commended. Tom Kiefer is one of those artists, and it sounded amazing. His voice sounded in great shape. And it was good to see him and the band. This past Saturday, I went over to Oklahoma City. I visited with some friends of mine there, had a meeting there as well. And I hadn't been to the OKC area in in a while. I uh, visited with a friend of mine who was actually the original guy behind Rocklahoma. And uh, a friend of mine by the name of Brad White, who first brought me to Oklahoma back in 07, and speaking of Rocklahoma, behind the scenes, there's been some shakeups there that wouldn't have been, you know, make public news. But behind the scenes, the promoter who booked it, uh, I just found out, was recently let go when they're moving some stuff around. So there's a lot of music festivals going through a lot of makeover and change, and some are going away and some are being reinvented. This is to be expected when you consider how many music festivals there are and how competitive it's becoming. Everybody is looking for a new way to do things and get additional attention and to stand out from the rest, and people have differing views on how that exactly should be done. So um, it was good to spend a couple days there in Oklahoma, and we'll keep you posted on all that stuff as we go forward. As you are hearing this podcast, if you are listening on post day, I am traveling once again, this time to Arkansas, where I've never been in my life. I am going to a city that I was told is pronounced El Dorado and then was corrected that it's El Dorado and then corrected back to El Dorado. So I have no idea how it's properly pronounced. You get the idea of the, the area I'm going to, though. I mean, it's, it's El Dorado or El Dorado, depending upon your pronunciation. There's an area called the Murphy Arts District. And they are having a rock day there that consists of Sammy Hagar, Brett Michaels, and Lita Ford. And I will be hosting that on the 19th of October, which is tomorrow, if you're listening to this podcast again on the day that it posts. So look forward to seeing you there if you happen to be uh, headed to uh, that particular show. Looking forward to seeing Sammy because even though I was at his High Tide Beach party a couple weeks ago, didn't really get to watch him as much as I wanted to. So this should be a little bit more of a relaxed setting to make that happen. Looking ahead to next week, another busy week as I spend most of it in Los Angeles. I will be flying to L.A. next Tuesday and I will be doing my next rainbow broadcast for my Sirius XM show live from the rainbow called the trunk nation LA invasion. That is happening on Wednesday, October 24th. This will be the third one I've done. It's a monthly broadcast from the legendary rainbow bar and grill in LA six to 8 PM Pacific time. It's open and free to all. You don't need a ticket or anything. Just come down. And if you aren't if you aren't in Southern California, of course, you can listen to all the action as it happens on volume, which is channel 106 on Sirius XM. That, of course, is where I do a daily talk show about rock music every day, live 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time, replaying 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern. When we do the Rainbow monthly broadcast, we flip flop that. 
and the live window is what is normally the replay window, just because obviously that makes it a little easier to deal with when you're uh, you're looking at uh, doing a broadcast from a bar. So on the 24th, we're live 6 to 8 p.m. Pacific, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern, and uh, that is the one day we change we change up the, the the live window. Every other day of the week, though, the live window is 2 to 4 Eastern, the replay 9 to 11 Eastern, and, of course, you can hear shows on demand on the SiriusXM app, and the, all the interviews you hear on the Eddie Trunk Podcast are courtesy of my SiriusXM show on Channel 106 volume. Hope you join me for that each and every day. So that's what next week looks like. A little action in L.A. The uh, Rainbow broadcast on the 24th, followed by on the 25th, the Dio Cancer Fund event, the next one that I host. I host the two big events every year. This is a fun one. It is the bowling event at Pins in Studio City. It is a great, great time. Go to DioCancerFund.org for more information on how to join us. And I am auctioning off a spot on my bowling team. I did this last year. You ready for this? When I auctioned it off last year, I think the high bidder came up with about two grand. At the time that I'm doing this podcast, which is the Tuesday before it posts, the bidding was already near $8,000 to bowl on my bowling team. So far, my bowling team includes Adam Jones from Tool, Doug Aldridge, and Tom Morello, with one other name to be added, plus the winner of our bid. Every penny of that money goes to the Dio Cancer Fund. So go to eBay and you'll search my name and it's something like Bowl on Eddie Trunk's team or something like that in the headline. You'll see the information if you'd like to place your bid to try to be the lucky person that gets to join my team for a great cause and make a great donation to the Dio Cancer Fund. And thanks to whoever is the high bidder and has driven that thing up that high. That's going to be fantastic. Great money, great additional uh, revenue for the Dio Cancer Fund. So that's on the 25th, the rainbow broadcast on the 24th, and that's what's going on for me uh, the rest of the way here in October. Then as we look at November, um, the 2nd, I'm in Houston at House of Blues for the Hair Nation Tour, hosting that there. The 3rd, I'm back in Tulsa for kicks at the IDL Ballroom. The 4th, I'm back in Houston where I will host Foamhenge, Featuring April Wine, Sweet, and Wolf Mother, Carbach Brewing Company in Houston on November 4th. And then from there, I go to Mexico for two and a half weeks as I go on tour with Deep Purple. Just an incredible run coming up. And uh, follow on Twitter, at Eddie Trunk, for up to the second news info and updates. Instagram, Facebook as well, at Eddie Trunk. And EddieTrunk.com is, as always, the online home. Had a great conversation and visit with Ace Fraley the other day. He came by my Sirius XM show. I will post that as my podcast here next week. The, the folks that do not have Sirius XM or who listen outside of America often hear about these interviews that I've done there and ask me, can you get it on the podcast quickly? The answer is no. I can and am able to use interviews from my radio show here on the podcast, but I have to wait at least around nine or 10 days from when they originally air. That's the rule. That's the deal. So if you're in the U.S. or Canada, again, come on board with me at Sirius XM. You will get, you know, you will get uh, the radio show live daily every day. Again, you're just getting a tiny sample of what I'm doing daily here on the podcast. 
and I will get you, you know, the, the key audio when I can and as I can deliver it. So uh, that's how the deal works. Appreciate Sirius XM letting me share these interviews, but there is a certain period of time that does have to pass by. So back to what we're talking about, which, of course, is JoLynn Turner, who's the interview this week. Oh, as far as Ace is concerned, like I said, yes, we'll post that interview next week. And I did talk to him about Kiss and his new record, which comes out tomorrow and all that sort of stuff. And uh, I had a fun conversation with him, as always. But back to this week's interview with Joe Lynn Turner. Joe is a guy that I've known for a very, very long time. He is a Jersey guy. Uh, He was very stung when Rainbow started up again, and they did not offer for him to sing. I think we talk a little bit about that in this interview. Joe recently suffered a heart attack. Scary stuff. And this is one of the few times I've heard about him talk about that in detail. He was calling me from Russia or Belarus, to be more exact, where he now lives much of the year. And uh, we had a remarkably good phone connection, as you're about to hear, for a call from Russia. But Joe talked about Sunstorm, which was a new record that he just put out at the time. This interview is about a month or so ago old, so... We do reference, um, you know, he talks about Russia and the Trump-Putin meeting and all that. That is because that was just about to happen at the time we were doing this interview. But there's a lot of good stuff in here about Rainbow. I think we talk Ingve. We talk about a number of different things, and you'll hear it all with JoLynn Turner. Think a very underrated singer, too, when you look at uh, the history of rock. And a guy that, uh, you know, should be more highly regarded in the U.S., but he spends so much more of his time in Russia because he gets so much better offers in business there. And you'll hear why that is in the interview coming up with Joe. So without further ado, coming up on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast, it is Joe Lynn Turner. The Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey folks, Pluto TV, it's the leading free streaming television service. Watch over 100 TV channels and thousands of movies on demand, all completely free. Pluto TV, never ask for a credit card. You don't even need to sign up to watch free. Pluto TV is the easy and completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies for free. So what are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again by downloading Pluto TV. You can download Pluto TV for free on all of your favorite devices today, including your phone, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV, Smart TVs, PlayStation, and anywhere else you stream. Pluto TV is the leading free streaming television service. Watch over 100 TV channels and thousands of movies on demand all for free. No credit card needed. No sign up. Pluto TV is the easy and completely legal way to watch your favorite TV shows and hit movies. What are you waiting for? Never pay for TV again. Download Pluto TV for free on all of your favorite devices today. This This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey, if you guys like my show, you're going to love Forked Up, a Thug Kitchen podcast on Podcast One. The three-time best-selling authors and snarky duo behind Thug Kitchen 
Michelle Davis and Matt Holloway discuss food, politics, and pop culture, giving a voice to regular folks who are just trying to get it together both in and outside of the kitchen. Check out Forked Up, a Thug Kitchen podcast, every Wednesday on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Eddie Trunk back with you on this week's Eddie Trunk Podcast. Let's get into it right now. Long distance we go. International with former Rainbow and Deep Purple vocalist Joe Lynn Turner. JLT. Yo, Eddie. How are you, man? What kind of cell service do you have over there, man? That should be an ad for the most unbelievable service I've ever heard. You sound like you're next door. MTC is pretty good. Yeah, it's very clear. Beautiful. No, no delay, no, no nothing. How are you, man? I'm, I was, yeah. I reached out to you. I don't know what's going on with you. I'm glad that you got in touch because I w- first and foremost, I want to hear how you're doing because uh, I sent you a text. I don't even know if you still have the same number, but I was so concerned about you when I heard you yeah. had, a, I guess, a heart attack or whatever. Tell everybody what I happened. Did. Yeah, I did. Uh, first of all, in a word, I'm doing great and better than ever, actually. Uh, it, on April 12th, I uh, had come back from Japan, had a few days, and uh, was pretty exhausted. And the next thing I knew here, I was in my office here, as I'm sitting in the same chair, and I just started to get these pains in the chest. And uh, obviously, it was a myocardial infraction, and I was rushed to the emergency ward, and uh, they operated on me. I watched the whole thing on the Sony TV. It was pretty nuts. Whoa, 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 and, whoa, 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 whoa. You, so wait, they did an operation? Like, they had to open yeah. you up? No, 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 no. There wasn't open heart surgery. They go in oh, uh, stent. through. Yeah, that's right. So they go in through your, your, your thigh and you go in through your arm and, you know, with the wires and all that kind of stuff. And uh, you're conscious the whole time. It's not a problem at all. It doesn't hurt. Really? Yeah. It was amazing because uh, it's surreal when it was happening. And anyway, um, you have to lay up in the hospital for a, for a while. I mean, it is a, a powerful uh, thing that happens to you. So you have to regain your strength and, and your druthers and all that. And uh, then I started to do physiotherapy. And now I'm at three times a week. I'm stronger, fitter, and cl- eating clean, no alcohol, nothing. And I'm better than I was before. So, so when, when, strange. when this happened to you, Joe, did you lose consciousness? I mean, were you, were you just feeling pain no. and you got there in time? I mean, how, how much danger yeah. were you in? No. No, no pain. The pain, yes, absolutely, there was pain. But no, I was fully conscious. There was no blackouts or anything like that. So, um, luckily, and um, I'm doing great. I mean, all my tests are positive. Uh, the one thing I've got to say, well, I've got the chance now, is to thank everybody. My social media went crazy. You, you included, my friend. Thank you so much for all the positive love and vibes and care and concern. It was just such an incredible outpouring that it really kept me going and, and brought my spirits up very high. And um, I couldn't have had more positivity in my life. And I thank God for, for each and every one of everybody out there. 
Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you got a lot of fans and friends and, you know, myself included, we were all worried about you. And and it's when I first, you know, like I said, I reached out as best I could. And then when I heard uh, you wanted to come on, I was like, yeah, because not only do I want to let you promote whatever you got to promote and talk music with you, but I, because I always love doing that. We've been doing that for decades, but I I mainly was Uh concerned about how you're feeling and and what happened here. So not not to dwell on this, Joe, but it's important because we're all getting older. I mean, you know, we, and, and we all think we're invisible and we're kids again and this stuff creeps up and when it happens to people we know or like it's like it's a, it's a it's a wake-up call uh, for for you uh did you have a family history of stuff were you somebody that stayed on this or did this come out of left field at left field i mean i never in my wildest dreams thought that i would have a heart attack because i had a strong heart all my life uh et cetera, et cetera. so this came out of left field the one thing i do realize now is that i was really overworked at the time I felt exhausted, uh, and there must have been, and I'm pretty sure there was something wrong with the with one of my arteries. So that's as much as I can tell you, and I should have had it checked out. So I would urge everybody, get a stress test as you're getting older, because stress tests can really pinpoint these things, and you can get them taken care of before this happens. I'm lucky. I thank God for a second chance, but uh, it's it's something that will change your life for the better more positivity, more, uh, I think you become more awake about everything, more careful about everything. And um, to me, I'm more blessed than I've ever been. So uh, it's it's quite amazing. And were you able to call for help or was your wife or somebody there? Yeah, that- my wife was there. Yes, my wife Maya was here and uh, no problem at all. So I was lucky that way. I'm very lucky. And plus, uh, she's taking care of me the whole time. Uh, I was in hospital for about three weeks, but it was like it's like a country club. Uh, there's an unbelievable clinic here, um, and I was—I mean, we tried to keep the press away. That's how it all got out because the cameras and and a lot of fans were outside for about a week straight. They wouldn't leave the hospital uh, grounds, that is, and um, we, we weren't going to make a big deal out of it or anything. You know, we were just trying to to keep it on the down low, so to speak, and we. Uh, we couldn't do that because it was big news. So when I go out now to a restaurant or whatever, people are always like, hey, glad to see you back. You know, <laughs> I was big news for a while here. And how's the, how's the health care there? Amazing. That's what I'm saying. This clinic, yeah. it, I call it a clinic, but it's a huge, beautiful new hospital, really. And uh, I couldn't be under better care, really. I could not be under better care. So that's why I just sat tight. Uh, we talked to some doctors in New York just in case we had to, you know, especially Maya. She did all the research and everything. She she is my angel here. And uh, we were ready and prepared in case we needed something else. We had some of the best doctors at Columbia University and, and Cornell and, and everywhere. And uh, they were really ready to help and jump on it. And, but all of their advices, after they got the test back and we sent um, a CD uh, of, uh, of my diagrams and everything else. And they said, look, you're in good shape. Just live the rest of your life, continue on and, and be happy and thankful. And I said that I am. So I'm here by the grace of God. So I'm going to take it slow, doing a few gigs, warm up, and then come October, November, December, I'm full out. I am full back out doing full shows and having a great time. Now we should talk about this too, because this for people that haven't kept up with you in your career and may not even figure out what you're doing, living essentially in Russia and, and everything What's a Jersey guy doing there. 
you you and and you know why are there people outside of the hospital or whatever i mean you've always said this over the years you have had an unbelievable fan base in that country talk a little bit are you living there full time now or or what's going on give everybody the overview well, why you're there and and what it's like you know what the jolin turner fan base is like throughout russia yeah shows uh the fan base throughout russia is incredible uh, Belarus, uh, Belarus is Belarus, really Belarus, beautiful Russia. Um, uh, the girls are amazing here, guys, just in case you're <laughs> interested. <laughs> A lot of the bands that come through here really know all about it. And we get everybody through here. First of all, I know I'm digressing, but it's an amazing, we've got amazing, uh, you know, you get everybody from Ramstein, Aerosmith, you get everybody. And anyway, um, my wife's family is here. And we decided to build a house here because this is one of the safest places on earth right now. And um, we also, you know, live in the United States. That's my country. I love, I love the United States of America, and I'll never leave it. But at the same time, I'm very close to Europe here, so I can go to Paris in two hours. I can go to Madrid, Barcelona. You know, so a weekend for me is like you driving down to the Jersey Shore. Yeah, I know. And I can and I could go to these places, which we do, and um, and had done before uh, before I was laid up a little while here, but and doing my therapy. But um, it's wonderful quality of life here. So the fan base is amazing. In fact, I'm doing a big Harley show here in about two three weeks, uh, and it's it's I can't tell you. Uh, Russia has been very good to me, and it's not what people think. People need to travel, you know, Eddie. People need to see what it's like instead of listening to propaganda. You have to get out. I'm fortunate, and all the rockers are fortunate, because we get to see the world. And if we're lucky, we get to see the world with our eyes open and our ears open, and we start to see the truth of what's happening. No country, no government, none of that is perfect. But at the same time, you actually see what the people are about and who they are, and they're just like you and I. They want to... They want families, they want love, they want a decent job, they want a good life. And they are such an appreciative crowd. Um, and somebody once told me, go where you're loved and respected. And um, this, there's a lot of love and respect out here. So I do very well here. And then, of course, I'm so close to Europe, I've been doing a lot of shows in Europe. And that's, uh, that's really the long and short of it. So I just figured, hey, it's something different. I've lived 50 years there i'll live another 50 years here you know because a lot of people have said that to me and over the years i mean you've been on my shows when you have been home in in new york new mm -hmm. jersey and people have always said mm -hmm. you know where's joe why is joe always in europe why is joe based doing so much stuff in russia it's a completely different world there for you what how did that for for this audience joe how did that happen why is it that russia of all the places in the world had this incredible bond with you and your music do you trace it back to your your time yeah. in deep purple or what what really triggered yes. that? Yes. Uh, actually, yes. And what, what happens with that is because I'm part of that family tree. I'm lucky enough to be part of the family tree of, of Deep Purple and Rainbow and so on. Uh, and all of the tributaries thereof, like Whitesnake and whatever. These bands were extremely popular in Russia. For example, if you ask them about Journey, they really don't know Journey. Journey was not popular big in Japan, things like that. But in Russia, these were the bands that broke through the Iron Curtain way back when. In fact, 
what made me more popular uh, specifically was when I went with Mountstein and we did that whole uh, 22 dates. Yeah, live in Leningrad. We did 11 dates in Moscow, 11 dates in Leningrad. And back then it was uh, Leningrad. And uh, this was before the second Glasnost and everything happened in the opening. And before the peace concerts, before Bon Jovi and Motley Crue and everybody got there, we were there first. And uh, we played to 22,000 people a night. In fact, I went to see an Aerosmith show at the same venue, and we had sold it out more than they sold it out back then. So it's, it's, it was quite uh, interesting that these people just latched onto it, and I became an icon. And then I went all over Russia, and I mean all the way out to a, a place called Vladivostok, which is way out by China. Okay, I mean, I, I was on the Orient Express. I was in February in the middle of winter, tougher, toughing it out on the trains and everywhere else and played everywhere. So that gives you quite a amount of respect uh, from these people. And they just fall all over the music and, and love it. I mean, they're true, truly sincere music lovers, and especially with this, uh, with this type of music. So that's what gives me the edge here is the family tree and me putting in the time to show up. Do you speak the language now? Yeah, choo-choo. A little bit. I'm, I'm learning, <laughs> you know. But <laughs> Jersey but, guy uh, speaking Russian. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I've always, I've always tried, out of respect, to speak a little bit of every country I've ever been to, including Jap- Japan, you know. Uh, everywhere. I've always tried to pick up some pieces of language. I was always good with languages. Uh, Spanish was something I learned in school, so I'm kind of fluent in Spanish. But at the same time, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. So when I came to Russia, I had a few words, enough to speak to the audience, and they really appreciate that. When you do that, you're showing great respect to them, to their culture, and they they really respond to that in a big way. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's very important, I think, for, for people to do that, even if it's one word, even if it's basiba, which is thank you. You know, uh, I, I, I've noticed a lot of artists do that, though, uh, when I watch YouTube or what have you. They do learn a bit of the language. So it's not uncommon. A lot of people speak English here. That's not the problem. Uh, but at the same time, you're, I've never really had a language barrier no matter where I went because people understand what you want, what you need, what they need. I mean, it's all the same. You can do it in the eyes. You can do it in the hands. And you speak you speak the same common language, and that's the thing that unites the world, really. You know, just lay down your guns because we're all the same. What do that's you miss? Really what what do you miss about. most about the U.S.? You know, I, I thought of something a number of years ago. Mm-hmm. You did my show, and you were telling me your favorite restaurant here in America was Cracker Barrel. They don't have any Cracker Barrels in <laughs> Russia, do they? You must be missing those dumplings, no. right? The chicken and dumplings. No, what they, is it, Joe? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the ribs. <laughs> but they got some ribs over here, I got to tell you. Oh, man. You know what? There's so much to miss about the States. Uh, and and uh, I go back to the States, you know. So I live there. I live here. It's not like I live anywhere else. I'm a, I'm a planetary visitor. Yeah, yeah. I've always said, you know, I've always said that, uh, yes, I'm an American. I'm an Italian-American, specifically. But uh, I'm an American first, and I'll always be. So we live here. We live there. Um, it's just a matter of where we are, when we are. I have family there. I have a grandchild there now who I absolutely adore. You know, we have a house there still. And, um, and, and it's, it's okay to be um, 
let's put it this way, to have two passports, if you know what I mean. Dual passports. A- Not a problem. Have you tried to sing since you had the heart attack? Yeah, I sing here. I sing with my guitar here. But uh, we're uh, going to, that's why I said we're going to start a few gigs. I'm doing this gig with an orchestra. Uh, only going to sing about four songs. And then we'll do another gig. Uh, I might sing about six songs. But it's not a problem because I'm more fit now than I was then. I have lost, I don't know how many pounds. Um, the body's back in shape. They've been working me hard. Uh, this is not the kind of therapy where you're you're walking around with a cane and a pair of slippers. Mm-hmm. You're walking in a, in a gym and you're working out. In fact, uh, we put it on Facebook just to show people this is what the therapy is like. It's it's no fooling around. When you come out of there, you're absolutely full of sweat. You know, I mean, I'm boxing and I'm pulling and it's all techno gym equipment, brand new state-of-the-art stuff. So I just love it. I, I do it three times a week now. I used to do it four times a week, so you can imagine. So I'm going to be fine, Eddie. I got no problem. Well, that's that's that. what Thank I want to hear. That's what we want to hear, that yeah. you're fine across the Thank board. You. That is the most important Thank thing. You. Now, listen, I know you got a lot of stuff you want to talk about on the music front, some things I want to hit you with. You've got a, a new yeah. record with Sunstorm, which people here in the U.S. may not be too familiar with, but I want you to fill everybody in on that. And if you can, Joe, hang with me through the break. Uh, we'll come back and we'll talk about all that music stuff that we need to get to. We'll hit the break. We'll come back on the other side and we'll talk about it with Joe Lynn Turner. So, Joe, you good for a little while longer? I'm um, um, yours, Ed. It's good all to right. talk to you, man. You too, man. So we'll put you on hold. Okay. And uh, we'll come back to Joe Lynn Turner, who, again, is joining us live from Belarus. And we'll give you a little taste of what we're going to talk about here in a second. This, this is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Hey, if you or a loved one get leg or foot cramps, you know how painful and disruptive they can be. Muscle cramps can jolt you out of a sound sleep or interrupt your daily life. I have had that happen, folks. Listen carefully, because I can recently tell you, or I can tell you, I should say recently, about a product I learned about called TheraWorks Relief. It's a non-greasy foam that's proven to relieve muscle cramps fast and reduce muscle soreness. Plus, with daily use, TheraWorks Relief can even prevent muscle cramps before they start so you can get a full night's sleep or do the activities you love without worry. TheraWorks Relief. It only takes minutes to apply. It absorbs quickly and it works. People love the results. You've probably seen Dr. Drew Pinsky on TV talking about TheraWorks Relief and many of my colleagues on the radio are also talking about TheraWorks. Now, the holiday season is around the corner, so you know someone who suffers with muscle cramps and muscle soreness, I'm sure. And I'll tell you, I can't think of a better gift than TheraWorks Relief. It is uh, something I've actually used, and I've not had the problem since. Make it your choice, too. Get TheraWorks Relief today in the pain relief aisle at Walmart, CVS, Rite Aid, and Walgreens, or by talking to your pharmacist. Learn more at TheraWorksRelief.com. Hey guys, it's Jack Vanek from The Lady Gang, and I'm sitting here with true crime TV producer and my best friend, Alexis Linkletter, and we are so excited that we are finally launching our true crime podcast called The First Degree right here on Podcast One. And each week, we are going to bring you the craziest true crime stories and talk to the people who are one degree away from each of these crazy events. And we've dragged crime journalist Billy Jensen along for the ride, and he 
can't get rid of us. Join us on The First Degree every Wednesday on PodcastOne.com and the PC One app. Also remember to rate and review. Here are some useful car tips you might not be aware of. For instance, a coffee filter and a little bit of olive oil can clean your interior. Removing excess weight from your car, well, that'll improve your gas mileage. And you can place your key fob to your chin to increase its range. Pretty weird, right? Well, here's another tip you also might not know about. True Car also helps people get used cars. That's right. True Car isn't just for buying new cars. With their certified dealer network and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars, you'll enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler buying experience, whether you buy new or used. And with True Car, users can see what others paid so they know if they're getting a good deal before they're buying. They're also more likely to enjoy a faster buying experience by connecting with True Car certified dealers. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, check out True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Let's get back to more conversation with Joe Lynn Turner on this week's Eddie Trunk podcast. Hey, Joe, you know, you, you know, you're. Um, we talked about your level of fame there in, in, throughout Russia. I, I mean, d- do you know Putin? Have you met Putin? No, Medvedev. I had never met Putin, but Medvedev comes to my shows. Really? And um, yeah, that's. Uh, it's very interesting. Uh, we were playing. I was playing Crimea, or as we say, Crima. And uh, I was doing four charity shows, and one in Yalta he came to. It was amazing. And we had tea <laughs> and all that stuff. And then I got back to the States, and I was subpoenaed by the Treasury Department. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, they wanted to know what the fuck I was doing over there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is international intrigue, Eddie. This, see, this is what I mean. People don't get this shit. They don't understand what's going on. And uh, it was all it was all on the up and up. We were doing charity work. I was doing charity work, and um, it cost me about twenty twenty five grand in lawyers. Oh my DC. gosh! Just, yeah, just to explain to the United States Treasury Department that I was a good boy <laughs> and I wasn't doing anything evil or trading any secrets or any of that. I was saying it's before. Crazy. I was saying before. I mean, in the news all over here, and I'm sure there too is this this Trump Putin meeting coming up. I said, look yeah. closely. Look closely if there's TV coverage because you might see Joe Lynn Turner providing the entertainment <laughs> in the background. Well, I'll tell you what. The closest thing I got was uh, I was in Moscow at Red Square, and they were going to do this big thing called Russia Day. It was like May 5th or something. I don't know. And they were setting up the stage, and uh, they wanted uh, they wanted me to to appear because they were really appreciative of what I was trying to do in Crimea and for the, for the kids and the free concerts and stuff like that. So anyway, I actually got a call. They couldn't do it because it was all computerized down to the, to the minute. They couldn't fit me in, but I got a call on my cell phone from Putin's press sec, the guy, the press secretary, my wife picked up the phone. Maya picks up the phone, and she face turns white. She hands the phone to me, and it's him. And I, it wasn't Putin himself, but it was his right-hand man. And I was like, holy shit. So he reached out to me. <laughs> so that's, that's pretty cool. And there's a statue of you. Is it true there is a statue of you there? 
Is there a statue of me here? In in somewhere I, in that I, country? I, I don't I don't know. There my I don't know. I don't know about that. Someone but, told me there was. Uh, yeah. There was a Jolyn Turner statue Maybe. somewhere. They, I don't know. You know, they, they, it's, <laughs> I've heard maybe in Bulgaria because they've had some of Dio, you know, and a couple right. of rockers. Maybe that's what they meant. And somewhere in Varna or something like that. All right. You know? Well, but, if there uh, isn't, if there isn't one, there should be. That's all we're saying here. There should be, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I ain't, I ain't dead yet. <laughs> so, <laughs> we'll put one. We'll put one. We'll put one there, and we'll put one in Nutley, and you'll be all good. <laughs> yeah, Nutley. That's where I need a statue. <laughs> Hey, how are things? How's the family? Ed? Everybody okay? Everyone's good here, Joe. Everything's good. You know, we're in the heart of the summer, and uh, everybody's doing yep. well. Thank you. So, so let's Great. let's let's talk about some music stuff. Um, going into the break, people heard a little bit of Sunstorm. You, you are one of the great melodic hard rock singers of all time, man. You still got the pipes. Some great guitar playing. It sounded like in that track for people yeah. in the U.S. who aren't familiar with Sunstorm. Tell everybody about it. Well. Sunstorm, this is Sunstorm 5. This is the, the fifth Sunstorm project. Uh, I was only going to do a trilogy three, but uh, apparently they're successful. So um, Serafino over at Frontiers uh, coerced me into doing number four and five. And I think they've been progressing as we've gone through each phase of Sunstorm. So it's kind of a project that has its own life. And this last sunstorm, maybe you can get an idea by a couple of tracks that you played. It's a, it's a bit, it's melodic rock for sure, but at, melodic hard rock. But at the same time, it's got a modern edge. We've got great players. Um, and this particular one, I threw my hat in the ring with a bit of writing and lyrics and melodies and stuff like that again. So I, I was, I did the vocals in Prague, but uh, I was in Prague for a couple of weeks, and I needed to, to get the vocals done. So we, came, we got a good studio over there. So that was exciting. I love Prague. And, and that's what I mean about traveling, you know. It's all, it's all combined. So I do my work there. And then uh, this Sunstorm record came out and with rave reviews. I've read about five reviews, and I closed them immediately because I hate to read reviews. Uh, Richie once said, if you, read a, if you believe a good review, you've got to believe a bad review. So I don't believe any reviews. <laughs> And that's true. It's very true. You you know how it came out yourself if, or not. And uh, I'm just very happy that people are uh, enjoying it, uh, the ones that like melodic hard rock. But I am doing another project, and a solo project, and it's much heavier, much darker, with uh, Peter Tachrin from Pain, Hypocrisy. And uh, he's from Sweden. I'm sure you're familiar with him. And he's producing and co-writing with me. So... That's going to be a whole nother thing. And I think people will be very surprised at, uh, at this record as well, because it's like two faces of mine. They expect a melodic hard rock singer, and this is going to be heavy. And, and for people that don't know, I mean, you, you've played, because a lot of the stuff you've done has been outside of the U.S. So you've done some shows throughout the U.S., though, in recent years. So you're not completely off the mm -hmm. off the grid here. But a lot of people have wondered, you know, uh, about how much stuff you're going to do in America. You did the solo records and this and that. But, but you know, you look at the stuff you're best known for here in the U.S., which is obviously Rainbow. You had the big commercial right. hits with Rainbow here. The the Purple record and the time you were in Deep Purple. The Ingve record, which to me is still one of the best records he made because it had a sense of songs and melody and what you brought to it mm -hmm. was just fantastic. Is there a side Thank of you, you as, a, as a, still a, a guy who's still got such a great voice 
doing all these things and doing your solo stuff, I'm sure is great, but is there a side of you that would like to jump back into more of an established band thing? If an established band came calling and needed a great singer, somebody to be plugged in, is that something you'd respond to or something you're not interested in, in this point in your career? I guess it would have to, it would depend on the band, you know, um, I always love opportunities and I always love challenges, but it, if it was the right band in the right situation, you know, I wouldn't just jump into any situation, but if I thought I could fit in, I mean, there's, there's been bands out there that have been looking for singers um, that have been established. And I've always said to myself, oh, I could fill that shot uh, that slot, you know, but can I, do I fill it or, you know, am I going to make a difference? And uh, that's why I never threw my hat in the ring. I never even tried. Um, to do any of that, because even though I know I probably would have passed the audition, as they say, uh, I don't think it'd be right. You know, I, I am much my own artist, really, in a way. And I think only even now am I starting to come into an alter ego kind of thing where I'm going to show people some other side of me that I don't think they expect. When I play the, the demos for a few certain people uh, here and around, they look at me and go, that's you? And I go, yeah. And they go, we would have never known that's you. It's amazing, but I wouldn't have known that's you. Hmm. And that's that's what I, I can't wait to play it for you. I'll give you a sneak preview on this. So Peter and I are working on it. I'm going to be cutting some more demos this week. And um, I'm very excited about it because it has this new, I wouldn't say heavy metal, but maybe it is. Maybe it's part metal. It's part industrial. It's, it's part melodic. It's something else, man. I don't think anybody sounds like this. And I got to ask you this. You you know, for years, you were a guy that openly campaigned and talked about having a, that there should be a rainbow reunion and that Richie should get back to playing rock and that you were hoping and working on it. I mean, you were the one guy out there that was very, that was vocal and open about saying that should happen. And here in the U S as I said, the the rainbow was the biggest with you in it. You had the big hit singles with them. So, so what is, you know, now that a little time has passed, did it sting that you didn't get the call to do this? And now Richie's playing rock. Have you been in touch with them? What, what can you tell us about your thoughts about what Richie's decided to do here? Well, you know, Eddie, you've always got an inside on, on a lot of things. I listen, by the way, I listen to your shows on YouTube and, uh, they're quite interesting, you know, about band members, uh, uh, like you said, filling in new lead singers or whatever. And uh, you even went into some equipment uh, and all that. I, you're very interesting. So let me tell you this. I was emailing with Carol Stevens, his manager, for a long time. I've still got the emails. So it's a bunch of bullocks what, there's, what people's perception is that, oh, you know, I got stung. No. What happened was he he kind of just stabbed me in the back, yeah, in a way, because we were in touch the whole time with Carol going through this, and she was giving out feelers to different agencies, and uh, Turner, Blackmore, back again, you know, this and that, coming this summer, blah, blah, blah. I've got all these emails. And then I guess he just decided that, no, he didn't want to pay out anybody, because as you can see now, (laughs) it's, uh, it's a whole different situation. I want an authentic reunion. That was the way to do it. I had Live Nation online. I had, uh, Rick Franks wanted to do 160 shows, headlining, special guests, all the festivals, you name it. I had Universal Music with at least an EP of four new songs, if not a whole new album. Uh, I had people like Bob Daisley. We were lining up 
all of the old guys. It was going to be a rainbow extravaganza, not only for the existing fans, but for the fans who had never seen Rainbow before. There are so many fans, uh, I started to realize, including, for example, my wife, who are just at that age where Rainbow was broken up, basically, but they love the records. This would have been, this would have covered everybody. You know, we would have got everybody up there, Bonnet, Doogie, you name it, Rondinelli, everybody up there. Um, and he obviously didn't want to do that. And that's the long and short of it. So I would have never done something like what he's doing now. That, to me, is not Rainbow. There's no album. There's nothing original about it. I don't know if you've heard the YouTubes or seen it live, but it's not what it used to be. Yeah, well, it definitely to me to de- to me, Joe, it definitely feels like, especially. And I don't know where he's at with it now, but initially, it definitely felt like and looked like a guy who had been out of the mix of playing hard rock for a long time, like a guy for as brilliant of a player he is that definitely had to shake off some rust. Yeah, man. Well, I think Ian Gillen said it right uh, in one of his interviews. I read it. He's just not playing up to snuff. And, um, you know, it's kind of a lazy thing. And uh, he and he settles for these guys. And it's just not uh, exciting. And all the fire we had in Rainbow, all the different inclusions of Rainbow. I mean, come on, Ronnie Dio and Graham and everybody else. You know, I respect all of that. All all of those, you, you know, sections of Rainbow were phenomenal. And um, I don't know. So I didn't get – I was not stung. I had no – I was, in fact, I dodged a bullet, in my opinion, because if I had committed to it, and he pulled the switch on me like this, and he got basically Blackmore's Night to play with him. That's who they are. That's Blackmore's Night. That's David, the drummer. That's the bass player. Right. The band, background vocal. The only odd guy is Jens, who I played with with Malmsteen. It was phenomenal. But that's Blackmore's Night. So the so the kids that. sing. Is the kid singing? Ronnie. He's from Blackmore's Night too. No, no, Ronnie, well, Ronnie, Candace found Ronnie, you know, she found him on YouTube, and uh, she found Ronnie in uh, Lords of Black, you know, uh, in Chile, and uh, they hired Ronnie because he supposedly sounds like Ronnie Dio, but not in my opinion, but that's that's besides the point, I mean, I don't know, I, I don't know, I'm not going to make a grand statement here uh, about uh, why he's doing it, because the way he's doing it is very obvious to me. You know, you you did a segment about the bands and and when they replace people and there's only like one original member or none and, uh, <laughs> or two or none right. and they just use the name and I thought that was a brilliant segment. I actually re-listened to that today, and that's pretty much it. I don't have to say any more. You know, but it's what's just what's like surprising that. to me and what's revealing about this to me and what what's what uh, I'm finding interesting is that that you're saying there was dialogue like this was moving along oh, yeah. with you. This was happening. And then there was sort of a last minute decision like, okay, I'm not doing that anymore, which I, as I say, Joe, if you listen to me, you know, I saw all the time, a lot of it's a lot of these decisions when people scratch their head about it are rooted in money because it's probably Thank you. way, way cheaper and more affordable to get people that, that the public don't know that are going to do it because they're fans versus the guy that everybody wants that you got to give a fair split to. You're absolutely right on the money, hit the nail on the head, and that's exactly it. Um, with me and all of some of the other guys, you know, we don't work for a wage, as he put it. You know, I was going to be offered a wage. We work on percentages, 
and because uh, none of us are schleps, and we're all known. So I wasn't going to do anything that wasn't authentic, and he knew it. And he knew that if he did an authentic lineup, he would have made – he actually would have made more money in the long run, I'll tell you the truth. And I know that for a fact because I was in direct contact with, with Frank's. Rock Fuel Media was going to do the videos, the whole thing. I mean, but, you know, some people just uh, want to take an easy way out, I guess, and that's that. What – so, well, so so that's it. I mean, the, obviously communication's broken down and that chapter's closed and nothing's happening there. Oh, no. I Please. <laughs> There's no going back now. There's no going back. If he called me tomorrow, I would never, I wouldn't do it because it's just it's uh, tainted now, in my opinion. I'm sorry to say that. You know, I was a big look. I'm sitting around here playing my guitar. I was a Black Blackmore's fan, right? I played. That was my number one guitar player. I copied Blackmore, and he's he was my icon. He was my idol, and I always felt that he should, if he's going to go down, go down in flames, but not like this. You know, he he's. You know, it's just, it's sad. And uh, I, I can't, uh, I, I just can't go along with that. So Carol stopped emailing me. That's the truth. That's what happened. And I read in the Parisienne, well, that, that uh, you know, Joel and Turner doesn't know he's not going to be working with me anymore or something like that, paraphrased. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, that's what I figured since the emails had stopped. That's the way... They work over there. They just cut off communication and you don't hear about it anymore. So I figured, okay, well, that's it, you know, and it's not going to happen. And then I found out he said that to make it look as if uh, I was being stung. So the perception uh, was, you know, that I had been, uh, I don't know, what would you say? Jilted. Sour grapes or something. Or jilted or what have you, yeah. Yeah, but not true because I would have never done this. I wanted it real deal, man. And we had, we, he would have made millions if he did it this way. Because there's even, there was even a, uh, a, big, a big band who wanted us to, to open for them. And they shall remain nameless right now because they were going to have a huge reunion. And this was all planned for 2019. So that, you're talking now two years ago before. So there was like plans for three, four years down the road. Mm. And uh, just didn't work out. So, hey, bygones are bygones. No problem here. I am extremely happy doing what I'm doing, picking and choosing my quality of life and my music. So that's the, that's the story, and I'm sticking to it. What do you uh, what do you make of Deep Purple pretty much calling it a day and retiring? You think it's time? Well, I knew they were going to because I had spoken to some of the guys, and I knew they were going to. It was just a matter of time. You know, they they are graceful about it, and I think they know when Purple knows when to when to pull the plug, you know. Um, I know uh, Morse has got his Dixie Dregs back again and uh, stuff, and, uh, you know, there's, there's uh, Rogers always doing side projects and things. So these guys, you know, are smart, and they're gentlemen, and I have nothing but ultimate respect for those guys. So whatever Purple decides to do, they've had a long and illustrious career. I'm just proud and fortunate to be a part of that family.
And uh, and the last thing as we go through the Joel and Turner family tree, you know, I mentioned that record you did with Ingve, and I I would still love to see you do another record with him because I think you created songs <laughs> with him, and it was just we it did. was great, and I really thought that it, it was the closest. You know, the the track you did, a couple tracks on that record were the closest he ever had to radio airplay, if that's important to him and, and a hit. But um, you you know, where 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 are things with him these days? Do you have any dialogue with him anymore, or is that kind of turned bad? No, um, the last I saw him was quite a few years ago. In fact, it was in Russia. I was playing for the prime minister at the time, Mikhail Fradkov, and um, it's a pretty good story, actually. And uh, he, they, the agent had asked me, well, am I going to play my Malmsteen stuff? And I said, nope, I'm not playing any Malmsteen stuff. You know, I'm going to do, I'll do Rainbow, Purple, I'll do all that stuff. I'll do Children Turner, but I won't, I won't do any Malmsteen. You know, not because of any other reason, but I certainly wasn't going to carry a guitar player to Whittly Whittly. So to make a long story short, they hired Malmsteen to open for me. Oh, no singer, just him. Yeah, he was singing. So now we're at this private party where people are in tuxedos and gowns and diamonds dripping and, uh, and Malmsteen opens for me, and I do my set, and everything's great. And we were feeling good. So I called Malmsteen up on a stage, and I said, come on, man, let's jam. And we almost, I would say we almost did the whole Odyssey record. Really? Uh, yeah, honest to God, because uh, Derek Sherinian was playing keyboards. And, and it, was, it was a moment to remember, and it was a private, remember, this is a private party where there's probably more security guards than there were patrons. But... Uh, for the prime minister, remember. So, but we had a blast. So anyway, after the show, uh, we're back at the hotel, and I walk in a bit late, and they're all sitting in the lounge drinking, and um, and I walked up to Ingve, and I said, hey, man, it was, and he behaved himself. He, he was very good. He stood behind the singer, you know, and came up front when he did solos. <laughs> he wasn't kicking picks around, and he wasn't flinging the guitar, and it was really cool. So, he, I come up to him and I said, England. and I said, it was really great, man. And I said, I really enjoyed that. It was an unexpected pleasure. So I was walking, I said, have a good night and everything else. And as I'm walking to the elevator, I said, hey, uh, if you ever want to make a great record again, call me. And as the elevator doors open and I stepped in, I heard his wife scream, he doesn't need you. And I turned around, it was just like a movie. And I said, yes, he does. And the door is closed. <laughs> It was perfect. Mic drop. <laughs> uh, it, it was perfect. So that was the last I saw him, except for my comment that I made when he said he didn't need or like any of the singers that he ever had. Right, right. What a disrespectful guy. What kind of stuff is that? As if we didn't contribute to putting him on the map. You know what I mean? Oh, God. I and still, we I still remember. I still remember when you guys were rehearsing I'll never forget this. Back uh, when you made that record, I was doing a radio show back then because I've been doing this forever. And I have the tape somewhere and you guys called in and you were on the phone talking to me live on the air and he was in the background shredding away. And you guys were like, this is great. I mean, I have that somewhere. And I was just like, man, and that's probably, that's what, 30 years ago or something. It's insane how time just blows by. But I had no idea that you actually played with him. That's incredible. Yes, and it was great. I got to tell you, it was 
as I said, an unexpected pleasure because everything sounded great. I mean, they were running back and forth getting faxes off the Internet of the lyrics, my lyrics, because, you know, I write them. I can't remember them all, but, I, you know, every line for line. But we, we got through the whole thing, and it was just incredible to do Odyssey again because we were kicking, man, really kicking it. And it was, it was, it was just just terrific moment. But that last moment walking in the elevator, it's for me, that's going to be in the book because that <laughs> was perfect. <laughs> anyway, you know, he, look, I, I, I love Ingve, you know, for, for who he is and what he is. And I know he's belligerent and egomaniac and all that stuff. But, you know, you got to give him credit where credit's due. So, and yeah, he's and, he, and he's gotten better. I mean, he, by his own admission, has gotten better with that stuff. We we had him on that metal show a bunch of times when we were doing that show, and I mean, he was great every time. And there, there was, I'll never forget. And I, I know you got to go. I don't want to hold you much longer, but no, I'm good. But there was I'm this good. one I'm great Ingve story for me early on in the in, in doing that metal show. He was the guy that inspired us to have the guest guitar player in the stands because in the very first season. He showed up with his guitar. He flew from Miami mm-hmm. to New York and he showed up and he got off the plane and he was Ingve. I mean, he was full the full regalia and everything just the way you cool. want him. And he shows yeah. up and he's got his guitar and we're like, you know, Ingve, we don't really have uh, playing in this show. We can't we're not set up for it. He goes, oh, just put an ample, you know. So he yeah. noodled around going into the breaks and that's what inspired later on the idea of having a guest player every show. And what, I'll never forget this though. Because there was a moment where there was a little amp and we we scrounged up a little amp and they mic'd it off camera so that people could hear him playing. And anyone knows that for TV purposes, you don't need a wall of amps. You just need a, an amp to mic going into the board where they control the sound mm-hmm. for TV. But That's right. They set the sound engineer we had that day set the amp up a certain distance away from the mic. And every time he would walk away, he'd come back and he'd find the amp closer to the mic. So what was happening was he'd put it one way and Ingve would put it the other way when he wasn't looking. And the guy finally came back and he's like, who the hell is doing this? He goes, I know what it's got to sound like on TV. Would somebody leave the amp the way it was? And this this <laughs> he, ordeal he was... moving the mic. Yeah, he kept moving the mic. And then Ingve just looks Perfect. at me... And he's, I'll never forget, he stops and he takes a deep breath and he goes, okay, if that's how it has to be. And he sits down. And I was like, whoa, I thought Aaron Gingvey was going to start wrecking the set. And I turn around and I go, someone's been working with you, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, you got therapy. And he goes, goes, yeah, yeah. He goes, I'm better now. I'm better. It's okay. It's okay. Let's go. And I was like, wow, all right. That's pretty good. But it almost was a little disappointing because you kind of do want to see him smash every camera and be Yngwie. Yeah. Yeah, you got well. He stopped. I don't think he probably wasn't drinking as heavy back back then. No, I don't uh, think he was drinking at all. No. Yeah, I'll tell you, it's funny stuff because he could be as sweet as pie. I mean, yeah. I've seen both sides of this guy. And, you know, there were times where he was just as innocent and joking and playful. And there were times he was just this monster. So, you know, we uh, we, had, we even had T-shirts made up and stuff uh, that said on the front, you can't intimidate me. And then on the back it said, I toured with Ingve. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we handed them out to crew and band and everybody. And he saw it one day and he was like, oh. Oh, oh, can I have one? <laughs> <laughs> he loved it. So that was great stuff. So listen, I got to promote something. Uh, Go ahead. Starting in November, 
starting in November, uh, the band Bonfire, the legendary German band Bonfire, um, which I had wrote, written with Jack Ponty, as a matter of fact. You probably know Jack. Sure. Like the Bon Jovi Jack Ponty. Um, we had written Sweet Obsession for them for their first single, and I just co-wrote their new single. Um, and then it turns out that I'm going to be doing a 20-city tour all through Germany in November, starting in November with Bonfire. Jeff Tate is going to be on the bill with me. Okay. And uh, people like Robin Beck and James Christian and a whole bunch of other people. So it's going to be a very, very cool uh, uh, Bonfire and Friends, it's called. And I just want to let people know, especially in Deutschland there, um, or if you want to fly over anybody, because that's been known to happen, that we're going to be doing 20 dates, and it's going to just be great. So we're going to have a lot of fun. Well, and listen, I'm off to do the Christmas shows. So, oh, you're doing Christmas shows? You doing? And now, yeah. for for anybody in America, do you have anything going on in the U.S. or Canada that that you want to mention? No, no, not not. Uh, well, probably somewhere in 19. But uh, I had just done three or four weekends before I left. Right. Um, uh, L.A., Whiskey, San Diego, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, Detroit, Chicago, you know, I had, I had done a bunch of weekend dates, weekend warrior stuff in the, in the States. And crowds were really cool. The crowds were great. The, the audiences are fantastic in the States. So, you know, I love them. God bless you guys, man. You're still there for me. And, and thank you for all your positive vibes that you sent on social media. Uh, I, I think I've read them all. I had the time to do it. So, but anyway, um, I'm sure in 2019 we'll be picking up some dates there. But I really want to get this new record out with, with Peter and um, just start something new and exciting for me. And I feel like I've got a second lease on life, and I'm going to take advantage of it. Well, listen, man, most importantly, you're healthy, and it's great to hear your voice. And when you get back home to, to the States and to Jersey, we'll definitely have to get together. And uh, my best definitely. to your wife and, and continued good health there. And uh, keep us Thank posted you, on man. what you got going on, Joe. I, I appreciate the time. It's great to hear your voice. You too, my friend. You, you say uh, kiss Jersey for me, will you? <laughs> you got it, man. Uh, all right, I'll, I'll hit the cracker Thank barrel you. for you tonight, Joe. <laughs> yeah, man. All right. Thank you, Eddie. All the best. Much all right, love. man. Yep, same here. Take okay, care. Ciao. Well, my thanks to Joe Lynn Turner joining me. And, uh, again, that conversation happened about a month ago, I guess, maybe a little longer. But I forgot about it, and I enjoyed talking to Joe, and I think it's uh, it's great to hear from him, so I wanted to be sure that we included it and got that out to you here on the podcast. Next week, Ace Fraley, my recent interview with Ace about his new album, Spaceman, the viability of joining the Kiss Farewell Tour, and a whole bunch more. That will be on next week's Eddie Trunk Podcast, which, as always, is produced by Katie Irizarry. Remember to connect with me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, where I would be most active. EddieTrunk.com is the official online home. The blog is the Trunk Report. Music news posted every day. You can email me, Eddie, at EddieTrunk.com. Bunch of stuff to do there on the site. Merch available as well. Signed copies of either of my books. Everything going on is there on the official online home. And like I said, music news updated all the time for you guys to look at and comment on and things that you would care about for sure. And remember, listen to me live every day, Monday through Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern time on Sirius XM channel 106 volume, which is where the interviews you hear on the podcast are courtesy of. That show replays every night. 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern, and is also available on demand on the SiriusXM app. 
anytime you want. I will see you guys if you're in Arkansas this coming Friday. And don't forget the big rainbow remote. The next one, Trunk Nation LA Invasion 3, is happening on October 24th. The Dio Bowling event, the 25th. If you're in Southern California, hope to see you next week. And I will see you here next Thursday with that Ace Freely interview and more analysis about it and any updated news since it happened here on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Have a good week, everybody. in your life you need to hit the reset button and life reboot on podcast one's got you covered it's time for you to live your best life and hosts leah messer Lindsay riley and brian scott are here to give you the tools you need to empower yourself and live life to the fullest and when you're in a place of self-worth that's when you don't feel that need to kind of put people down and to judge other people for where they're at it's kind of just like this isn't right for my life check out life reboot every wednesday on podcast one or wherever you get your favorite podcasts Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music field trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com.